Hello, welcome to Financial Markets Weekly, an audio podcast by Succinct Information. This is a professional summary, free of noise, focused on facts, and straight to the point. We help you save time while covering the key events and market performance. These are the highlights from last week. Let's begin by quickly outlining what we'll cover in this update after a busy week. We saw another bank failure in the US. The Fed and the European Central Bank were among the several central banks to hold monetary policy meetings. We'll hear from the decision makers themselves. On Friday, we got the employment report for April in the US. Inflation data for the Eurozone. Also, notable earnings released by Apple, Uber, and Qualcomm. Yet, it is difficult to imagine all this action in a single week by simply looking at the macro variables. Leading indexes ended little changed. The S&P 500 fell 0.8% to 4136 points, Nasdaq ended flat, Europe's stock 600 dropped marginally, and emerging markets also barely moved. What about currency and interest rates markets? Same story. The dollar index fell 0.4%, to 10120 points, the British pound appreciated half a percent to 1.26, and the Aussie dollar by 2% to 0.67 per dollar, far from exciting. Core interest rates were volatile during the week, but finished almost unchanged, with the exception of the short end of yield curves, which shifted higher, but only slightly. Let's see. A short trading week due to the May 1st holiday in many places. The First Republic Bank saga of last weekend, when the third regional bank in the US fell into the FDIC hands after its share price collapsed and deposits were exiting the door, ended when JP Morgan came to the rescue, swallowing most of the bank's assets and deposits in exchange for $10 billion. First Republic shares had fallen 75% a week ago, to a market value of just $650 million. The bank had $230 billion in assets and $93 billion in deposits. JP Morgan has $2.4 trillion in deposits. But the sector's problems don't end here. The KBW Regional Bank Index, which includes small and mid-sized banks, plunged 8% last week. PacWest Bancorp shares were the hardest hit, with a 43% dive to a market cap of 700 million. PacWest is based in Beverly Hills and specializes on lending to small and venture-backed companies, similar to Silicon Valley Bank's model. Bank United, of Miami, saw shares fall 19%, and many others such as Brookline, Glacier, Fulton Financial had a market value loss of more than 10% last week alone. This banking crisis was the trigger for the risk-off sentiment at the beginning of the week. The tone reversed towards the end when the strong employment report for April was released on Friday. On to central banks. The Fed, the ECB, the Reserve Bank of Australia and Norges Bank of Norway all hiked policy rates by 25 basis points. The Fed lifted its target rate to a 5 and 1.8% mid-rate, as widely expected, and signaled it was at, or near, 
a pause in its aggressive tightening cycle that saw 10 straight rate increases since it began in January 2022, for a total of 500 basis points. This fast pace of interest rate increases was one of the reasons for the failure of the three regional banks. Let's hear a few clips from Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, on a few key topics. Here's what he said regarding bank failures. Conditions in that sector have broadly improved since early March, and the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. We will continue to monitor conditions in the sector. We're committed to learning the right lessons from this episode, and will work to prevent events like these from happening again. What about large banks acquiring weak ones and sector concentration? So I, I, I think it's probably good policy that we, we don't want the largest banks doing big acquisitions. That is the policy. And, uh, but this is, a, this is an exception for a failing bank. And I, I think it's actually a good outcome for the banking system. It also would have, would have been a good, uh, good outcome for the banking system had one of the regional banks bought, bought this company. And that could have been the outcome. But ultimately, we have to follow the law in our agencies and the law as it goes to the, uh, the, the least cost bid. Moving on to the state of the U.S. economy and the labor market. This is what he had to say. The U.S. economy slowed significantly last year, with real GDP rising at a below trend pace of 0.9%. The pace of economic growth in the first quarter of this year continued to be modest at 1.1%, despite a pickup in consumer spending. Activity in the housing sector remains weak, largely reflecting higher mortgage, mortgage rates. Higher interest rates and slower output growth also appear to be weighing on business fixed investment. The labor market remains very tight. Over the first three months of the year, job gains averaged 345,000 jobs per month. The unemployment rate remained very low in March at 3.5%. Inflation is the main reason why we're here, with higher rates and small banks collapsing. Inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year. Nonetheless, inflation pressures continue to run high, and the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go. Despite elevated inflation, longer-term inflation expectations appear to remain well anchored, as reflected in a broad range of surveys. He also referred to the debt ceiling issue, something that Treasury Chief Janet Yellen commented on. She said that, should Congress fail to increase the borrowing limit, a U.S. default could hit as soon as the beginning of June. Powell said this. I, I would just say this. It's essential that, that the debt ceiling be raised in a timely way so that the U.S. government can pay all of its bills when they're due. A failure to do that would be unprecedented. Uh, we'd be in uncharted territory, and the, and the consequences to the U.S. economy would be highly uncertain and could, could be quite averse. Back to economic data. Non-farm payrolls for April rose by 253,000 new jobs, far more than the 180,000 expected by Wall Street, a surprise that lifted stock markets sharply on Friday, reversing the week's negative trend. Although, the non-farm payroll figures for March and February were both revised lower by a total of 150,000 jobs, the U.S. labor market continues to show sign of tightness and shows no signs of easing. This brought the unemployment rate back to a 53-year low of 3.4%. In Europe, the ECB also delivered a 25 basis points increase, 
taking its deposit rate to 3.25% and the refinancing rate to 3.75%. This decision shows a slower pace of tightening but President Lagarde was clear in stating that the bank is not pausing, just slowing down increases. Eurozone headline inflation remains well above the bank's 2% target after rising for the first time in six months, to 7% in April, modestly higher than the 6.9% in March. The core measure dropped marginally to 5.6%. This is what the ECB president had to say. Headline inflation has declined over recent months, but underlying price pressures remain strong. Our future decisions will ensure that the policy rates will be brought to levels sufficiently restrictive to achieve a timely return of inflation to our 2% medium-term target and will be kept at those levels for as long as necessary. The inflation outlook continues to be too high for too long. A quick note on Australia's central bank as it surprised markets with its 25 basis points hike, to 3.85%, the highest level in 11 years. The RBA still sees inflation as too high, now running at 7%, and signalled it may need to raise rates even further. Norway's Norges Bank also hiked its benchmark rate by 25 basis, to 3.25%, also to tame inflation, now at 6.5%, and signalled another rise in June. It was an active week for U.S. earnings releases. Apple beat Wall Street's expectations, driven by strong iPhone sales, which accounted for 54% of total revenues. The giant earned $24 billion in the quarter on sales of almost $95 billion, both figures are around 3% lower than a year ago. Shares gained around 2% on the week to 173.6, and a market value of $2.7 trillion. Uber beat revenue estimates with an annual rise of 29% to almost $9 billion, and significantly reduced its quarterly losses to $157 million, from $6 billion a year ago. Shares rallied 21%, and accumulate a 53% recovery this year. Uber is valued at $76 billion, and reported 130 million monthly active users. Qualcomm, the giant chip maker, met expectations but provided a light forecast on the back of weak phone chip sales. Qualcomm made $1.7 billion in earnings, 42% less than a year ago, on sales of $9 billion for the quarter. Shares fell 7% to the lowest since December. The weakest equity sector was energy which dropped 6% on the week with Exxon losing 8% and Marathon Petroleum declining by 12%. The catalyst was the sharp fall in crude oil futures prices. WTI fell 7% to 71.30 and is now down by 10% this year. A weak manufacturing survey in China and the banking crisis raised recession concerns and most commodities fell. U.S. natural gas futures, driven more by short-term weather conditions, plunged 11% to 2.14 and accumulates a fall of 56% in 2023. Lastly, the week ahead. The Bank of England holds its policy meeting next Thursday. We'll get CPI inflation in the U.S. on Wednesday. 
The notable earnings announcements will be PayPal and Beyond Tech on Monday, Airbnb and Occidental Petroleum on Tuesday, Disney and Toyota on Wednesday, Foxconn and SoftBank on Thursday. It's a holiday in the UK tomorrow. This is the end of today's episode. If you find this channel useful, please subscribe and help us promote it. Visit succinct.info to learn more about our subscription service. Have a good week.